When my daughter Ninda was born, I wrapped her in a possum skin cloak. It's part of my culture. On the first skin, I burned what I knew about my grandfather, William Townsend Onus. But there are things about my grandfather that still remain a mystery. Bill, the successful entrepreneur, the theatre impresario, the entertainer, the fighter for his people's rights. But one photograph really made me curious. I'd been told by my father, Lynn, that Bill made movies, that he might be the first Aboriginal filmmaker. Did my grandfather make this film? And if he did make it, why did he make it? In those days, you never had any assistance. There was nothing for blackfellas. You're excluded from going into public places. And if you were able to go to the movies, you could only sit down in the front stalls. Bill would go and talk anywhere to anyone to keep Koori culture alive. Don't just let it go off quietly into the past. The story goes that most of his movies were burnt up in a caravan fire. But there are rumours that some of Bill's films are still out there. Hey, Tedeke, Tedeke, good to see you, big fella. <laughs> Terrific. This footage is extremely rare. To see this today for the first time is fascinating for me. It was just so good for us to see an Aboriginal man telling our stories. William Onus really made an impact on my life. We cannot help but wonder why after taking the white Australians just on 200 years to recognise us as a race of people. I'm speaking for what I firmly believe. And each and everything I said, I do not apologise for. That's the trailer for the new Australian documentary, Ablaze. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. In this episode, I'm joined by Ablaze co-writers and co-directors Tiriki Onis and Alec Morgan. Ablaze is the true story of the first Aboriginal filmmaker, William Bill Onis, and tells the story of this cultural and political figure who revived his people's culture in the 1940s and ignited a civil rights movement that would change the course of history. Ablaze is the compelling tale of how Bill and his supporters brilliantly orchestrated their campaign for equality through performance, entertainment, film and sheer audacity, and how they are outsmarted mighty forces seeking to destroy Indigenous cultures, languages and communities. Tiriki Onus is an opera singer, playwright, educator and filmmaker. He picked up filmmaking skills by assisting on the production of and appearing in a number of documentaries. Tiriki also worked with award-winning Indigenous filmmaker Richard Franklin. He wrote and acted in the critically acclaimed musical drama William and Mary about the love affair between his grandparents. Alec Morgan is an award-winning filmmaker with productions that have screened at over 50 film festivals, in cinemas and on television in many countries. His documentary credits include the landmark production Lousy Little Sixpence that uh, first exposed the story of the stolen generation and Admission Impossible that exposes secret history of the white Australia policy. His innovative hybrid feature Hunt Angels 
won eight awards, including three actor awards and the prestigious Joan Long Award for contribution to Australian film history. Here, Tiriki gives us a fascinating insight into his connection to his grandfather Bill and his journey to get this film made alongside his collaborator Alec. You will hear throughout this interview how passionate Alec is about this story, uh, as well as revealing the truth about Australia's Indigenous history. Alec is certainly one of the most passionate filmmakers I've, ent- I've ever interviewed, and I'm sure that you'll be able to pick that up as well as you listen to uh, Alec speak throughout this podcast. A Blaze is in cinemas now, and it certainly shouldn't be missed. Anyway, enjoy. Tiriki, uh, Alec, it's great to be chatting with you both. Thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's a much real pleasure, me. Matt. Hey, uh, I was glued to the screen for the entirety of A Blaze. Uh, It's a fascinating film about a truly fascinating man. I want to see more movies about our Indigenous pioneers, and I feel like A Blaze has the power to open up doors cinematically in this country uh, and to encourage other filmmakers to to explore our Indigenous roots on screen. Uh, We're only in May, and it's already one of my favourite films of the year, so congratulations on this one, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. That's, That's great feedback. Uh, how has the feedback been? Uh, quite similar, actually. Um, uh, from what I've got feedback, it's been fantastic. I mean, really well received uh, everywhere that I've sort of been. Mm. Yeah, likewise, Kiriki, I think. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I think everyone's been been quite taken with it. I think the resounding consensus from everyone that I've spoken to is that they're first and foremost. Well, they they compliment the film, which is always lovely. But first and foremost, there's this tremendous sense of of missing out almost, that people are hungry for these stories. And mm. and as you said, Matt, they, they had no idea that they were out there, that, that they're so moved to know that there is all of this nuance and strength that they can that they can tap into and and explore more of. And that, that's come from people from all walks of life, all different cultural backgrounds. It's it's quite wonderful to witness. Excellent. Uh, before we jump into a blaze, I'm curious to know if either of you two have seen uh, Jane Castle's new documentary, When the Camera Stopped Rolling, because it's another brilliant documentary. Uh, this one explores uh, intergenerational trauma, and it's about Jane uh, researching her mother's history as, a, as an early pioneer of Australian filmmaking. And I kind of feel like it's a bit of a companion piece to a blaze in a way. Have either of you seen that one? Uh, no, I no, I haven't seen it. Uh, I was sick when it was on at I think it was the Antenna Festival, it was a recent or human rights festival in Sydney. Unfortunately, I had it marked down to see, but uh, from what I've heard of it and read about it, it's a fantastic piece of work. Yes. Uh, Tiriki? No, uh, likewise, I, I, mean, I, 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 I must confess I haven't seen anything in such a good long while now with, with COVID and I haven't, uh, I, I've yet to sort of begin going out and seeing things again. Yes. Uh, well, I highly recommend that one to you too. I, mm, I think uh, as mm. soon as you get the opportunity, you should jump on it and check it out. Um, so, so let's get into a blaze here. Um, the film had uh, quite a run on the festival circuit. It screened at MIF last year, um, which is almost 12 months ago now, uh, the Brisbane International Film Festival, Antenna Documentary Film Festival and others. Um, the film is constantly searching for answers, and I'm wondering if anything came out of those festival screenings or these early screenings that has impacted your research in any way. Has anyone approached you uh, following screenings to present further information about your grandfather and your own family history, you know, based on those screenings? 
Well, certainly, certainly. There, there have been so many of the, the thing I've really noticed is, which I think I always understood, but is just how how much Bill and that story is owned by others out there in the community in a really, really positive and, and good way. I, I, I love experiencing it. And whilst there hasn't necessarily been other information that re- relates directly to the research of a blaze, every time I'm at a screening, every time I'm I'm talking about this out in community, there are those who want to share their memories of Bill, who have got their own deep personal connections with Bill and his story. However, however fleeting they they may have been on on the Sunday that has has just gone, we showed Bill's story. We showed a blaze at the Cameo Cinemas in Belgrade, which is just up the road, literally a kilometre along the road from where Bill had his shop. And even then, you know, there was there was a huge community turnout. Everyone had memories and. Even people that I'd known since I was three years old coming up and sharing stories that they'd never shared before was was truly extraordinary and wonderful to see. And I'm, I love it when we have moments like this, which, which pique people's interests and, and cause the, the neurons in the brain to fire and that memory comes up and all of a sudden people have it and they want to share it. It's, it's like a gift every time. Is there any uh, story in particular that you'd like to share with us right now? Is there anything that struck you that that someone uh, commented on or, or brought up with you? There have been many similar stories of the impact Bill made, the grace with which he carried himself, which has been really quite beautiful and wonderful to see from other Aboriginal people. It's been extraordinary to hear the number of people that have said to me, look, you know, the, the amazing thing for me, I was young, I met Bill and... I was able to, because of the things that he was saying, I was able to feel proud about who I am and where I come from and that sense of, of pride, which had been so denied people of, of Bill's and even the subsequent generation. Coming back again and again is, is quite extraordinary. I've, I've had people come and, and gift me old boomerangs that they bought at the shop when they were 10-year-olds and things like that. I've had people who have come through to to share their stories and who who send photographs and emails and all sorts of personal remembrances and and it's that that ability of bills i think to link up with people individually and form real and meaningful connections that keeps coming back again and again and as i say it's 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 truly wonderful to see I, i realize more and more just how much bill and his story belongs to so many people out there yeah, oh, that's wonderful to hear. Um, Alec, uh, tell us about how you became involved in the making of A Blaze. Uh, had you two known each other uh, for long prior to the making of this film? Uh, no. Um, I, I, I've been working in archival film for uh, a few centuries now. Um, <laughs> and um, so I, 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 mean, I have a strong attachment to most of many doco- documentaries I've made of been you know historical Australian history, particularly Indigenous history, and uh, so I have a strong connection with the National Film and Sound Archive. And um, I was approached by Simon Drake there, gee, about you know eight years ago, probably um, a while ago, and they had found a piece of footage nine and a half minutes long in the vault that had been there quite a number of years. They thought, by the looks of it. 
um, and they'd printed it up and they'd seen images. There was no sound and no record of where it came from. It just turned up in a tin. And um, Simon contacted me and said, could I have a look at it to see if I recognised anybody in it? So uh, I had a look and uh, immediately recognised who I knew from documentaries I've made in the past, uh, Bill Onus and his brother Eric and a few other people. Mm. But there was some very intriguing material in there. Um, and then I, I'd known about Cherokee um, in Melbourne. I live in Sydney. And I contacted Cherokee and said, do you know about this piece of footage? It looks like Bill's, Bill Onus has got a hand on this. Mm. Uh, and he said he, his father had told him, his father Lynn had told him uh, to Cherokee that the, uh, Bill had made films um, and they were burnt up in a caravan fire shortly after he passed away. Mm. And... Um, there were, and Cherokee said there were rumours that there might be some that escaped the fire and is still out there. So I took it down to Melbourne and Cherokee had a look and nearly fell off the chair mm. um, because he immediately recognised more relatives. In yes. fact, the opening shot, as we, as, and so we show that in the film about, you know, what, what Cherokee's first response, we tried to recreate that as seen the film. Mm. Um, but, but I knew that Cherokee had done a play called uh, William and Mary. And um, so, you know, being a filmmaker, I sort of said, well, let's, let's make a film together on Bill. The story is quite, I mean, what we only knew at that time, we thought was pretty amazing. And we felt that Bill had been left out of history mm -hmm. um, because of his strong radical views. He was someone that, as you can see through a blaze, was really, you know, attacked and kept under surveillance for his views. Yes. So, I mean, it started from there. Mm. And Tiriki, you weren't uh, planning on, you hadn't planned to make a film uh, prior to uh, Alec bringing you that footage. Is that right? No, no, I hadn't. I mean, I've always been passionate uh, about film and I'd, I'd been involved with film projects, never to this, to this extent before, but yeah. I knew... Alex's work and have always held it in in very high regard. Yeah. In fact, you know, before we even started working together, I would often teach students about, particularly film and television students, about the the legacy of of filmmakers like Alec and others and the work, the incredible work that they did in the in the seventies and eighties and beyond in really being powerful allies in this space. Mm. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing that it really wasn't until the 70s and then um, in the 80s, especially in 83 with Lazar Little Sixpence, that non-Indigenous filmmakers collaborated with Indigenous filmmakers and went out to communities and just said, look, I've got a camera and some film. What would you like me to shoot? Mm. And all of these stories started coming out. So I'd, I'd really been celebrating that narrative. So as soon as Alec contacted me, I was tremendously excited just to see this film. And when we had the conversation... And Alex said, would you like to make this film together? I didn't need to think about it. I knew that all of that groundwork was there. I knew Alex's work. I deeply respected it. Yeah. And so it was, it was a very easy yes uh, from me at that stage, not, not knowing just quite how far we would go or how intense it would become. Yes, not realising <laughs> how long it would take. Yes. <laughs> That's what I mean, how long it would take. Which is, but, which is, which is not our problem, um, is it, Terakee? I mean, it, 
you know, we no. can't, we can't, we couldn't uh, help the government that was in power, who was sort of done enormous damage to documentary making in Australia. Yes. Mm. Um, so yeah. it was a credit, you know, although we're ready to go. Um, well, and the realities of history and everything else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, I do want to talk about uh, the production and how long it took in just a moment, but um, mm. I want to stick to this uh, footage and this archival footage. Uh, Tiriki, you, you speak briefly about the moment you first watched the footage uh, mm. that was found at the NFSA. Um, uh, can you explain that feeling to us, uh, what it was like to watch uh, members of a family on screen that, that you weren't expecting? Mm. I was floored. I mean, Alec says, you know, I, I nearly fell off, off my chair. And I, I think that's not, um, that's probably not too excessive. That's, that's not a great deal of hyperbole there. I was, I was shaken in the best possible way to see these images and these moving images as well. Yeah, I mean, there, there, are, there are some sparse photographic records of the time from, from Fitzroy in, the, in those days in the 1940s. But there is a specific power that film has, I think. And when you see someone living and moving there on the screen, everything becomes so much more real. And here were people that I'd heard story of, stories of who had lived very large in the stories of my family, all of a sudden brought to life there on the screen. I'd never seen them that young. I'd seen footage of, of Bill in the 60s, again, tiny bits of footage when he was presenting Alcharinga for the ABC or speaking on This Day Tonight. And there's another bit of footage of him um, speaking for the 67 referendum. But by then, you know, he's, he's in his 60s. Mm. But to finally see these people as young, younger than I am now mm. and to understand the tremendous work that they did and at the same time to to really be able to visually touch the reality of the world that they were coming from. It, it gave me such a tremendous sense of context and made me appreciate all the more the change that they wrought and the work that they did under what were incredibly difficult circumstances. Wonderful. Um, uh, Alec, how important was uh, the NFSA to the making of a blaze? Because I don't think that Australians uh, fully appreciate or are even aware of the National Film and Sound mm. Archive and its importance. Uh, can you t tell us a bit about how important it was to the making of this film? Yeah, I, I mean, as you can see, there's a lot of footage there. With people who know, you know, visual history of Australia, we're amazed when they see a blaze, you know, the, the footage they've never seen. And some of it's really illuminating, isn't it? I mean, that corroboree ballet, I mean, <laughs> what sort of cultural psychosis was that period? <laughs> um, but it does illuminate in Australia that we've been, you know, sort of sheltered from by, mm. you know, and, 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 I, and where I'm heading towards is the last decade has been quite devastating for our archives. I often wonder what sort of society is it, and, and I think the election has shown that they're way out of touch with Australians today. The last government has not only um, slashed the ABC, you know, the national broadcaster, um, but it also has reduced um, places like the National Library, 
the National mm. Archives, where that ASIO footage is stored, yes. and the National Film and Sound Archive, so much so that they have to focus now, rather than getting to the public in Australia and revealing our film history, and we have a remarkable history in Australia, they have to focus on just spending the money on preserving material, which means they've virtually lost their public face to Australia. Yeah. That's how bad it is. Yeah. And meanwhile, down the road, this government gave half a billion dollars to make the War Memorial in Canberra into a Disneyland. Yeah. So it does give a reflection of the mentality of that government and why they were so uh, heaved out of office by a younger generation of Australians and people who just see Australia as a far more positive place and can be a more progressive place in its thinking. They're very much the anti-intellectual and anti-history um, section of the Liberal Party, in particular National Party, mm. taken for granted, um, have done enormous damage to our history. Mm. And you spoke before, Matt, about getting films out there like this. Many filmmakers have contacted me personally to say, so congratulations, how on earth did you guys get that film made? Mm. So what I'm saying here is there's many other films that people are trying to make but cannot get up. So when we got the money to get through our wonderful producer, Tom Zabricki, I mean, mm. we got thrown out of every funding body with this film. Yeah. Um, and I know in, in the past I've had like Lousy Little Sixpence was a documentary which first broke the story of the Solon generations, we were thrown out of every funding body for that story because no one knew the story, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and this one we got thrown out of everywhere. The ABC wanted to pick it up and couldn't because it's got no funding. So this is political. Um, yes. it was a, it's a politically conscious act on behalf of the people who've been in power the last 10 years to make life extremely difficult for doc particularly documentary filmmakers in Australia. Mm -hmm. So the, re the fact that we got the film made is, is a great credit to, as I say, you know, people like Tom, the producer, those mm -hmm. behind scene people who supported us when it looked like we were never going to get money. Mm -hmm. I mean, we tried crowdfunding, we tried everything to try and get money to make the film, knowing that this was a really important story, an amazing story about a remarkable man in Australia. Yes. And yeah. it's a story for all Australians. Um, and that's what we had to go through. Um, so, yeah, all, all credit to those people who backed us and got it there in the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so grateful that this film was was eventually made in the end. And it's so disappointing to hear that, you know, funding bodies weren't throwing money at, at this film because these are the kind of films that we need to be telling um, in this country. Um, so this film took six years total to make, right? Or was that mainly due oh. to funding? Uh, yeah, well, um, we were pretty much ready to go after about, you know, I don't know, year four. Um, and then it mm. took another couple of years, you know, 18 months, two years to get the funding. Yes. Um, you know, so as I say, we got thrown out of every, everywhere and we had to, you know, re-strategize um, and, and basically um, once we started to get a turnaround and we got one, uh, Umbrella Entertainment, I must say, Umbrella Entertainment in Melbourne who are doing the national cinema release and yes. are the distributors for a blaze did something very unusual for a documentary in Australia. 
they took it on before they'd actually seen it. They oh, took it on well. before it was finished. Yes, yeah, before they, it existed. Yeah. We did have a script and people could read the script and, and we so showed some scenes that we'd cut and they really backed it, fully backed mm. it. Jeff and um, Ari, Ari, his son, yeah. in mm. Melbourne have... And so they've managed, they've just done such remarkable work. So once they came on board, um, it, it gave confidence to under, other funding body yes. who were not such big believers to actually start to back it. So that's yeah. how it turned around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, funding is, is, is necessary for film. It's, you know, it's, it requires a lot of money. Um, and, and it's a shame that, you know, when, when, we, 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 when we had a success with the funding body, I was always aware that, look, there's a whole lot of other great documentaries out there and not getting the funding. Yeah. And the same with the ABC. Usually I'd be you know, angry at the ABC for turning us down. <laughs> but I didn't feel any anger towards the ABC because they've been so mm. smashed by this government. Yes. I mean, imagine yeah. what sort of society, you know, that they think we live in that they can smash our national broadcaster like that. And we can't get, you know, we can't, and they go on Sky TV to sort of, you know, debate. I mean, I, I mean, it, they're really so far out of touch. Yes, but, it's um, infuriating. It's, 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 you know, I'm sorry, I'm just feeling quite relieved that <laughs> <there's> a, huge, <laughs> a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Yes, um, I could imagine. Yeah. And, and thanks for sharing that story with us as well, because I know that we do have a lot of filmmakers who listen to this podcast and especially, you know, documentary filmmakers. I'm sure they'd get a lot out of what you just said then um, as they're trying to pursue the making of their films as well. Um, yeah. Tiriki, oh, I want to um, mm. talk to you a bit about Bill and your connection with Bill. Uh, you're an opera mm. singer, you know, you're in the arts, you're a playwright, uh, you're an educator, and now uh, you can add filmmaker to a list of your skills. Um, <laughs> can you tell us how your connection with Bill began to grow as you were discovering all of these great things about him, uh, you know, prior to mm. making this documentary and during the making of this documentary? Mm, mm, sure. I've, I've always felt it's strange, you know. I've, I've always felt very, very close to Bill. Even though we never met, we're separated by about twelve years. He died in '68, and I wasn't born until '80. But he'd always lived tremendously large in my life. There, I, I couldn't go to an event without some auntie or uncle wanting to pull me <laughs> aside and, and share their stories of Bill. I grew up with constant stories from my father and uh, and others of Bill and his, his exploits and stories and those and those personal reminiscences of, of what sort of a person he was. So I felt like I knew Bill reasonably, or I felt like I had an idea of who Bill was. But I was never sure. And one of the extraordinary things that has happened for me during the course of Making a Blaze is that I feel I have grown so much closer to him and an understanding and a confirmation, if you will, of who Bill was, what he believed, what he stood for. Oftentimes in my life, I've asked myself that question, oh, you know, is, is this what Bill would have done? Am, am, am I carrying on the owner's name and the legacy in the right way? Mm. And I think the answer is yes. I think, I like to think so anyway, but I think one of the things that I've really had brought home for me in this process as well is to understand just how uncompromising Bill was in his view for 
a nation, a nation that acknowledged and celebrated First Peoples' culture and story, just how uncompromising he was in his belief and his expectation of more, the idea that things could be better and they could be more and, and that he wasn't willing to, to compromise, he wasn't willing to, to settle for less. And I think that comes home again and again in his work. Indeed, my grandmother used to used to tell me in her, her broad Glaswegian accent that one of the reasons that she felt Bill had been left out of history so much was that he he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't particularly good on all the sort of all, all the conciliatory side of, side of things. And that with with his contemporaries, uh, people like Pastor Doug Nichols and, and others that they they had a bit of a double lap going and, and Bill would would always be the bad cop because he was he was able to take things to that extreme level of of commitment and that whilst whilst other people were very good at, at the diplomacy sometimes Bill as my grandmother would say was seen as a bit of a rat bag <laughs> and I love that and yes, I, I yeah. certainly hope that I can be a bit more of a rat bag myself <laughs> uh, at times so this has been an extraordinary I mean it's been an amazing gift that I've been given by so many people who mm. shared their stories and their knowledges it's been a gift to work with with Alec and Tom and everyone else on this but particularly for me with with Alec I mean it's same, it seems strange saying nice things about him when he can hear but I'll just <laughs> pretend you're not here Alec it has you know, that, that would totally destroy the dynamic of our relationship but it has been a real gift to work with someone like Alec because I think even during those tough times when it looked like we weren't going to find the funding for this, we never gave up on yes. this story. We always knew that we were going to tell it somehow, mm. that money was not going to be a barrier to this. And that same uncompromising commitment that I'd come to grow even closer to in, in Bill and his story was mirrored in Alec and, and all those around me who were so committed to this and they didn't have to be it wasn't their grandfather's story yes but as i've learned a lot through the, the process of this you know bill doesn't belong to me mm. he belongs to so many people in so many different ways and it's it was really beautiful and wonderful to see i was i was incredibly touched and then to to work with and be mentored by extraordinary filmmakers and and experts like alec and Tom and John Hughes and everyone else who um, who contributed to this film has has been a tremendous gift and it's helped me grow in ways that I, I hadn't imagined I ever would. Yes. And Alec, what did you find to be the most fascinating thing about Bill's story? Oh, um, going from what we knew about Bill to begin with and then discovering Bill, um, first of all, I, I just wanted to thank... Um, one, one important element that, that, I mean, a film like this takes a lot of research. Mm. Uh, if you're researching in particularly Indigenous history like this one, and you want to do it seriously and do a thorough job on it, you can't really do it when you work in television, where I've worked, you know, many different times over years. Uh, you need a long period. And luckily, I was given a research fellowship at Macquarie mm. University in Sydney, in the Department of Media uh, there, um, which allowed me uh, to sort of search the archives 
thoroughly over a period of time. Um, and also uh, we could get a camera from there. So what we used to do is not wait because, you know, experience of the past is particularly mm. older people, elders who want to tell this story, you really should get out there and record it. Yes. Um, they want it to be passed on. And, you know, if you wait around until you get funding, you never know. So that allowed the freedom to go out with a really good, you know, high-res camera and a camera operator and enough money in the research to pay for, you know, people uh, like Rick... Um, uh, Rick Bush. Rick, Rick Kick Bush in Melbourne. And, um, you know, just go out and record it. That's quite simply. So those interviews really... And I remember Terry Key would come away from those interviews, you know, look amazed at what he'd learned about Bill from mm, those mm. detailed stories. So, so those started to open up, you know, and, and connection to the film and what the film meant, like Auntie Elma Thorpe in Melbourne, when we interviewed her, she was one of the first, was she the first, I think? Um, and she immediately recognised, mm. we'd show her the film and ask, do you recognise anything in it? And she said, oh, the first shot, she said, oh, that's Gore Street, Fitzroy. Yeah. So we immediately had a location in a, in a big part of that film that was in Fitzroy. And then she talked about what it was like living in Fitzroy and then knowing Bill in Fitzroy and how it was in Fitzroy where Bill began his political kind of movement and gave us a context to a lot of things. So the research period is where documentary really gets made. Um, and, you know, so we were able to do that over a period of time before we were able to get funding in a way. So, you know, places like universities, I think, have become more and more important to documentary making in this country, particularly during the last decade, where, as I say, film and the arts and everything have been, you know, consciously targeted um, by the government uh, during this period. Um, so all thanks to Macquarie University. There was another great find too that Terakee discovered in the basement, which we start mm. ablaze with, of the suitcase yeah. that Bill Onus, you know, was one of these people, and he's like many other uh, Aboriginal elders that I've met who keep their records often in a box under the bed. Mm -hmm. There's probably a lot of history still under beds, <laughs> you know, because they don't want to put it into government institutions, you know, yes, they don't yes. trust the government, right? Yeah. And, and this suitcase, which we show in the film, was full of photographs, but also it had negatives. And Murray Vanderveer, who was, who's a photographer and, and whiz with every other technical thing, whose work on The Blaze was absolutely amazing. Um, printed up some of these negatives. And there we saw a clue that gave us a clue to Bill being, you know, attached to the film. So we were, it was like, we were both like detectives in a yeah, way, yeah. you know, going on a detective story and we'd go, well, what's this? And, and we knew that we'd, we would have loved to have found all the way through, we'd kept saying to each other, we wish we could find the sound yes, um, tape yeah, of this yeah. film because we knew that Bill had recorded the sound tape and we were hoping that one day we'd find the sound and see what he was saying in those days. But today we still haven't found it. But it was, it's, the, it's the joy that we went through as well yeah. during those tough times of discovering more and more the mm. connections mm. of Bill to the film that this nine and a half, amazing thing is how this nine and a half piece minute 
piece of black and white footage from the 1940s becomes hugely historically significant yes. and opened up so many doors historically. It's unbelievable. Where's that suitcase now? Uh, with me. Yes. That's um, great. We're still down here with, um, with the family here in Melbourne. We've been taking the contents out of said suitcase and yeah. um, and recording and digitising. And it's it's very useful. Alec has mentioned the importance of, of universities and yeah. um, that has been very, very useful for me being at uh, the University of Melbourne, uh, as I am, and the head of the Willen Centre for Indigenous Arts yeah. and Culture there. And a big piece of the work that we're doing at the moment is about data sovereignty. Yes. Ah. And so now we're able to start looking at community-controlled methods of, of archive management and, and recording so that we can take these stories and rematriate them, repatriate them back to communities where that authority still sits. And I think yes. that's been one of the big challenges of the archive in the past is that it's not always seen through the same lens. The idea that you don't just take something and put it there for safekeeping. Yes. Uh, quite often you can end off, end up cut off from that too. But now we're in a space where we can start using new and emergent technologies to, to do that. So it is being turned into a resource. Again, all of Bill's stories, not just my own, I feel mm. need to be accessible. They do. And working through the ways in which we can, um, we can give these stories and these images and things back to the world. Because if, if, if we had that resource of hundreds, if not thousands of people being, ac being able to access and pour over these images, we'll be able to identify everyone who's in them. We'll be able to, again, piece together more of those stories and it'll be another opportunity to, for Alec and I to put on our fedoras and play detectives once again. Yes, yeah, so you, you might even find that elusive soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that's, that's the holy yeah. grail absolutely that, that, yeah. that, that, that's another thing that's important about a blaze in a sense of the archival images the still images and the footages is how important those images are to indigenous communities mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that can must be really understood um, you know for instance many of the communities uh, up in the north that I've found and possibly True, and it would be true in the south. I'm sure Cherokee are searching constantly for images constantly. of their past. That's right. It's a way of reading the image to locate people at a particular time, given the enormous historical damage done to communities. Mm -hmm. And remember, in those days, the price of photographs. This is why Bill Owner's yeah. collection of stills is so unique in footage, is because in those days, Aboriginal people either didn't have the money to buy a camera and, mm. you know, print photographs, or they weren't allowed if they were on missions. Yeah. Yes. And so a lot of the recordings of the mission life, which only ended, you know, in 1970, um, for that many, many years, the records were taken by the missionaries and by the government managers when they left those areas. Mm. So there's a constant search right across Australia for images about uh, people's relatives, uh, to reconnect family by putting them into a historical location at a particular time. And that's, that's ongoing. Yes. Um, that's why archive, archives are so important, not only to just preserve, but picking up on what Cherokee is saying, they need to get it out to the communities as well mm -hmm. and have it really accessible and spend money on making it accessible to people who want to look for their past. Yes, yeah. 
You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or cinemaaustralia.com.au. Hey, uh, I think it's worth uh, asking about the animation in this film because it is terrific animation. I think sometimes animators in documentaries get overlooked. Uh, what can you tell us about it? Uh, were you keen on anyone in particular for this film? Uh, well, um, first of all, um, yeah, um, uh, there was two people involved um, uh, in it. And uh, first of all, a lot of the motion graphic and some of the black and white kind of animation was done by Murray Vanderveer, who I've mentioned before. Murray, Murray um, gets every credit of the film. He did do yeah, everything. Did, yeah, <laughs> and and, and um, Amanda Rowe did the line animation, the beautiful mm. animation of Bill in the Cinema and... Um, and the 1952 uh, Melbourne centenary. That that was uh, Miranda Rowe, Julie Miranda Rowe, um, Julia, sorry, um, who we met in Melbourne. Um, I think Tom, uh, we were looking around for an animator. We had an animator in, and, and then that animator pulled out and uh, Tom Zabricki had seen her work and we met her in Melbourne mm. uh, and she's, Melbourne based and thought her work was terrific and she was just you know thrilled to come on board and and pick and did the animation those those beautiful line animation colored animations mm. so yeah all credit to that uh Tiriki, is there anything that you wanted to add to that oh look, it was I looked, selfishly i wanted someone who was ex vca just because i'm at vca and that was my thing and and julia was a was 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 a vca love it worked out quite nicely um you know the, the nepotism has to work for some of these things occasionally but yes. look, i think we were really taken at because there was a very julia has a very specific kind of style and visual language that is very much their own and I think we were really looking for that. We got something that was not not overly complicated. We felt really kind of served uh, the piece to try to bridge that gap between certainly the, the live action parts and those beautiful motion graphics that uh, that Murray put in, which are, are so beautifully nuanced and subtle mm. that sometimes there's ones that you don't even realise that it's happening. It just adds so much to the to the space. And we feel I felt that that worked really nicely kind of encapsulated that that it it was still very much in the in the animation space but it wasn't overly done and it was yes, that's right it was really lovely to see and again someone who was just as soon as we met them in a cafe and had a and had a conversation about this was so passionate and i think we started getting content content back incredibly soon thereafter oh wow and we were able to to again as, as if as if we were just editing um editing a film or um or going for a reshoot or something. Look, can we tweak this here? Can we tweak that? There, there was one part where I was, I, I really wanted to change, which wasn't major. It was there's there's a scene where, um, uh, where there's a car accident where yes. Bill gets hit by um, by the a fire, fire truck, truck. Yeah. and in it he's as he's driving down the road he's, he's looking pensively at this at this newspaper article first, and it was just the moment there where we'd cut away from Bill in the newspaper too quickly to the. Um, to the fire engine and it looked like he wasn't he was distracted and reading mm. the paper and didn't see and he caused the accident mm. and knowing that it was in fact bill was not at fault it was um it was extraordinary even for the day in the 1950s when that happened that bill was paid compensation mm. 
right. and found to be not at fault. And that compensation money was what set him up with Aboriginal enterprises and everything yes. else. And it was such a, a pivotal moment. And it was, there were things like that where we were able to say, look, can you, can we hold for another beat and put the newspaper down first? And yes. And instantly Julia got it, how it served the, the purpose of the story. And we, we, um, we were able to do it so, so quickly. And it just, it worked so beautifully together. And particularly in combination with the soundtrack yeah. was just, um, was just lovely. I, I, I couldn't have hoped for more for that. Oh, that's fantastic. Hey, uh, I read in the credits that Wayne Blair is a voiceover in the film. I assume that this is the Wayne Blair, right? The great Australian yes, filmmaker yes. and actor. This is, this is, this is the <laughs> Wayne the Blair. The real, genuine Wayne Blair, yeah. I didn't right. quite pick up what part of the film he voiced, which I'm disappointed about Bill. because Wayne, he, plays he does Bill. have... Oh, he yeah. plays Bill, right. He does, yeah, he, he does he, a Bill voice. Wow, fantastic. Tell, tell us that a bit was, about that getting... Was, that was wonderful. Yeah, oh, t- I think... Alec, you and Tom got Wayne on, I think. Yeah, I've known Wayne uh, since the Sapphires. I did. Right. I worked on the Sapphires with Wayne. Yes. Lovely guy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he was in Sydney, and I, I he just we were looking for a voice, and and Wayne came up that he does voices. Of course, he's an actor, great yes. actor as well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so uh, he was in town, and he came over to Tom's and Ricky's place in Sydney, and we, we and had Terry Key on the on the Zoom and. Were able to you know do the do the voiceover then, um, yeah. So it was great to have Wayne doing Bill's voice, who he, he admires, you know. Oh. oh, it was wonderful having having Wayne on there, and and for me a um, a uh, something something of a personal triumph having mm. been um, having been directed by Wayne in shows in, in the past. <laughs> we did um, we did a show at the Malt House together many years ago. So being able to turn the tables and actually direct Wayne Blair instead was, <laughs> um, was, was, was a moment that I truly relished. Yes. <laughs> uh, probably, probably made him, made him do a, do a few extra reads just to, you know, really kind of hammer the point home. Hammer, but, hammer the point home, yeah. That's right. And, uh, I had to, I had to flex on him. When else was I going to get that chance? Yes, that's right. That's right. You'll probably then, never get it again as well. That's it. There's another nice link with, um, with Wayne as, you know, the Sapphire's, is set in Kamaragunja Mission, where, of course, uh, Bill grew up. Um, So there's that link there with the blaze uh, with Kamaragunja Mission, too. Oh, I love that. I love those connections. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So he was thrilled to do it. Yeah, I, I could imagine. Um, so speaking of Wayne, you know, he's making terrific films and, and television mm. himself at the moment alongside other Indigenous filmmakers like Rachel Perkins, Dylan River, Ivan San and, and the great Warwick Thornton. Um, but I'd love, as I said in my intro, I'd love to see more feature films about Indigenous pioneers being made in Australia that aren't documentaries. Uh, would you agree? Is that something that, that you'd both oh, yeah. like to see more of? Yeah, I mean, personally, I mean, we got the Drover's Wife uh, now out in yes. the cinemas. Yep. Um, but, oh, yeah, look, look, um, Australia really has not tapped its its historical true story. I mean, true, based on true stories um, and, and um, even commentary, you know, like Warwick Thornton's Samson Delilah and yes. his, his work on the past. Um and it's really because we've been held back. You know, you need money. Yes. And um, there's there's this terrible, you know, conservative part of Australian society that really. I mean, I always think um, Australia tends to suffer <laughs> from willful amnesia. 
um, it, 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 it kind of feels, you know, I mean, the, where the money lies um, is, is the place where also people want to be comfortable and relaxed, as John Howard said we should be. And they don't like to be disturbed by these stories. But some of the best dramas and, and films that have come out in Australia and the, the really refreshing, vitalised films have been from Indigenous directors mm -hmm. um, and, and amazing stories that have come out of it, which never would have been told. Yes. Um, yeah. But we should support our film industry and our television industry. Uh, I mean, another side of television, which I've often worked in, is that the government, unbeknown to a lot of the public, has slashed the Australian quotas on yes. things like children's yeah. television yeah. and mm -hmm. dramas. I mean, there was a time during the last period of these people, um, I think I can call them people, um, with John Howard era, <laughs> When, they, when there was no Australian dramas being made at all. Yes. So, and we've had 20 years of these people. In the last 26 years, we've had 20, 20 years of conservative government who don't see the necessity to tell Australian stories. That's why people out there are craving to see something mm. Australian yes. that has real and serious meaning about this country. Mm. Mm. And, you know, what we're expressing is the enormous difficulty that you can see with other filmmakers who probably have amazing stories to illuminate this country's past so that we can make judgments about the past. We're going to have a referendum coming up. We need to have, in, in order to make judgments and proper judgments about Australia's past, we need to have knowledge of that past. Yeah. And this government, like the previous government, the John Howard era was known as, you know, the black armband of history era, where he deliberately, consciously suppressed history. Mm. And, I, I, you know, this is not bullshit, what I'm saying. This no. is true. Mm. Um, this, is, this is a serious issue where it's targeted Indigenous history because it's upsetting and they don't want to pay the price for colonising this country. And that we need to educate people, and Cherokee and I are both educationalists, we tried to make the film very accessible and get, you know, compelling and using all the attributes of cinema to actually tell a true story of the past to show of why we need to reconcile with Indigenous Australia. Mm -hmm. It is vitally important that Australia is going to become a true nation of united people that it recognises the past and it does something about it, not just talk about it. It means to do something about it because yes. we still have in Australia children of the age of 10 and 12 predominantly indigenous in prisons yeah. still locked up we have a high suicide rate this is Australia and the money that those people who've just been kicked out of office squandered squandered at a corrupt way to maintain their position I hopefully Australia wakes up as they seem to have done that this is a beautiful country it's a mother land that we live on and we need to respect the oldest living culture on earth yeah. and support that. Mm -hmm. um, Alec, I, I love <laughs> your passion. That's, that's mine. I absolutely love it. I love hearing it. I love listening to you speak. Uh, I wish more people would speak so openly and honestly um, the way that you are here. It's, it's really fantastic to hear. 
Um, uh, I do want to uh, fluff things up a bit, though. Uh, this is a film podcast. And uh, so hypothetically speaking, if, if you were to, you know, have bucket loads of cash thrown at you, one, could you see a feature film about Bill being made? And two, other than Bill, is there anyone else out there who uh, you'd like to see a feature film made about in Australia? Uh, Tiriki, maybe we can start with you. Well, I mean, the first one is hard. I mean, yes, I think um, technically, but it, it's it's I, I I get shy and overcome sometimes because I'm so close to it um, yeah. Yeah. that I, <laughs> is it my place to say? But look, I think yes, I think yeah. there absolutely you could see a feature film made there, and I think that there's a, a real space for sort of documentary and that kind of those those narrative features to work in in a similar space together. So I certainly think so. I mean, there's so much of this story that we had to leave out because we were constrained by yes. the time frame and, and remaining on the, on the core of the story. I often joked that had we wanted to put in all the stories that we wanted to, it would have been longer than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and like, it's not actually an understatement. There, is, there are enough stories out there, certainly even just in, in Bill and, and in his orbit. But, yes, I would like to see that i'd like to see more of these stories of strength particularly in this contemporary space i mean i, I still want to see the story of bruce mcginnis told who was who was bill's protege who picks up the camera after bill and makes extraordinary films like black fire and time to dream there's a story of even long before that there's a story of the great resistance fighters who stood up whether they be people like mosquito in Mm. In Tasmania, you know, Jandamara yeah. over in the West, there, there are all of these stories of strength that I think we can all latch on to. And I think one of the things that comes home to me again and again, not just through the making of this film, but when I address any stage or speak to any group of people, is the tremendous frustration that people around me feel about wanting to connect, wanting to know more and feeling like they're closed off from it. And I hope through films like A Blaze and through these, these, other, these other hypothetical films that you speak about now, we can start to create a culture where we, all of us, regardless of where we come from, black, white, brindle, wherever our culture and our story lies, we all of us can start to feel hard done by and disappointed about the fact that we as a society have missed out on these stories and also to come to the realization that it is not too late for us to engage because bill's story is but one of many yes can, I, I, I wonder at what else is hiding in the archives sorry alec no. you had something oh, oh no no uh, uh, just something before i forget which i forget easily but man i just I, I want to point out a distinction here um you're kind of hinting that it should be a feature film um the purpose of documentary and the decision to make a documentary, and it's it started way back because I came from a drama background and theatre background is when I, mm. you know, started on the story about the stolen generations. Um, I decided not to make it as a drama, but to make it as a documentary because Australians, uh, white Australians, knew nothing about it. Yes. And this is what I'm talking about. There is a real purpose for documentary. Yes, and, I and, agree. We, and I think we tackled a blaze in a way to make interesting and compelling 
as much as a feature film, you know, but it's based on giving also information to people that is missing in this country. Mm. Like we were very careful to say there was segregation in Australia. We point mm. out certain things and we took our time to slow the film down a bit to make sure that a new generation or a generation have never heard that segregation existed in this country, understood that segregation existed in Australia. Yes. I mean, we had Scott Morrison one time saying there was no slavery in Australia. This is how ignorant we are of the past. Yeah. And the purpose of documentary and why I focus on making documentaries is because unless there is that knowledge, if you make a feature film about it, no one will know what the hell you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. And it was true. That's true. Mm. I mean, look at Rabbit Proof Fence, a very strong film, but that came 25 years later. Yes. Yeah. Right? Mm. And the, the apology came 25 years later. Mm. After 10 years of a federal government, John Howard refusing, and Peter Dutton was one of the people who walked out when the apology was made. Mm. Mm. You know, there are forces in this country who do not want the truth to get out. Yes. And yeah. our struggle is, is to not say, you know, we make a feature because it's bigger than it, and I'm, and I'm, I'm playing devil's, devil's advocate here, but to understand that people are responding to a blaze in a way of they are getting to be told their past. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I we, agree completely. I, I agree 100%. I guess uh, my point about feature films comes from, uh, I guess, the proof that, that they're uh, more easily accessible and that more people will go to the cinema to see a feature film rather than going to the cinema to see a documentary. And that's, that's, I guess that's where my passion is, is that, is, you know, the want for these stories to reach oh. a much wider audience. Well, I mean, you won't reach an audience. It could fail too. Yes. A film could That's bomb right. at the box right. office yes. because audiences haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Mm. I mean, I can mm. tell you how many times, you know, you go in in 1982 to, you know, funding bodies and, you know, white-run organisations talk about Aboriginal children being taken away and they'd look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. There was nothing written. Mm. Matt, in this country, there was nothing written. Mm. Nothing written in 1982. The word didn't exist in 1982. Yeah. Yeah. This is how, what I'm saying is this willful amnesia is a political uh, element that we as documentary makers have to face in Australia. Yeah. There are forces out there and they've just been in power for 10 years and they're not going to go away. They don't want that past to be told. Mm. And if you want to live in my skin, I'm the one, and Terraki and a whole group of really great people fought for that film. And because we'd say, when we were flagging about how we're going to get this film made, we'd say, well, what would Bill Onus do? Mm -hmm. And Bill Onus would get up, pick himself up, dust himself down and do it again. You know, yes, get on yeah. with it. He's, those people, those fighters should be given recognition in Australia. Mm. Um, you know, uh, because um, if you look at the war memorial, we're, we're, we're glorifying wars that were we were told by Britain to go and fight. Mm -hmm. We were not, you know, and we don't even give recognition to the fight for this land by Indigenous people in the war memorial. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are way behind catching up. And we've had 20 years of conservative government, as I say, in the last 26 years. I, 
There are wonderful stories to tell in this country. Mm. Wonderful. We don't really know about our past and we're only scraping the surface. And this is just one that's reached the top and has got to be seen by people. But on the backs of that, yes, feature films will emerge later on when there's a context to understand Australia. Yes, yeah. You know, I mean, I grew up in this part of the world and one of the things I talked about when I was being taught more about Britain than living in this part of the world, uh, I thought, well, I've got no connection to England, you know. Mm. Um, and I still have to watch the Queen and, a, you know, on SBS, which is meant to be the special broadcasting service set up for, to recognise multiculturalism in Australia, endless, endless films of royalty. Yes, Why am I watching on SBS about the monarchy? Why am I watching that? Still yes. today, you insult my intelligence. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just unbelievable how lazy it is to, to stand up and say we can be an independent country. We can form reconciliation in this country. Why not? Yes. And I think this election on the weekend has said, yes, we can. Yeah. We can yeah. do something about these things. Yeah. But you've got to get, you know, you've got to thump those people out of the way who for 10 years have dominated our thinking, our thinking mm. about what we could do in Australia to repair the damage that has gone on by colonialism. Yes. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that's the fight we engaged in to make this film. Yes. Mm. You know, it, it's a lower budget. Yes, we get seen by lesser people and thank goodness for all those supporters like Umbrella Entertainment who got it out there into cinemas, but we only can get so much money to make these films. Yes, yeah. Because we can't say that an audience will even understand if we put it in the cinema. Mm -hmm. but you know uh, what I mean? Yes, like there's, yes. A, there's always, a, if you look at feature film, there's got to be a context there. Yes, yes, you're right. Um, I want to wrap this up by talking a bit, uh, to, uh, finishing talking a bit more about Bill here. Um, uh, most of Bill's history is in Melbourne. And I'm wondering if there is any place of public recognition uh, of Bill in Melbourne itself. Like, a, is, is there a theatre named after after Bill or a plaque of some sort? Or is there anything? There's a hostel. A hostel, yeah. right. Yeah. There's a William T. Onus hostel. Mm. Um, and that's been kind of all there has been for, for quite some time. And that, that happened in the in about 83 or 84, I think, um, a long time after, after Bill had passed away. But there hasn't, there hasn't really been any other uh, significant recognition of Bill in that space yet. And it's interesting because you can kind of see his, his hand in, in so many things. But mm. in some ways, I think that also speaks to Bill and, and his attitude. I, I think Bill was, was never one to, to seek... Uh, to seek the the glory for things, it was much far more important to him that things just that things actually happened. Yeah. But I am also conscious, and this is something people bring up again and again now. That, you know that, that there needs to be more recognition. Bill needs to be seen, and it's it's a it's a hard lesson for me to learn uh, at times too, because I do I do I think come from from that school of thought as well. So, you know, don't, don't put yourself forward, just go and do the next thing. And, you know, it matters that it happens, let it take care of itself. But as we have gone along this journey more and more, I've, I've seen also how much other people want and need that too. So yeah, maybe, maybe there needs to be more of a conversation about, about recognition for, for Bill there as well. But I'm, at the moment, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very proud and happy for this film to, 
to stand in testament to the contributions Bill has made. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I agree, Cherokee, one hundred percent. I think mm. Bill lives on the screen, and yeah. you know, starting our national cinema release, yippee, on Thursday, <laughs> the twenty sixth of May, right across Australia, it's yeah. like thirty five cinemas. I hope people go. I hope people go and see it. That's fantastic, um, 35 cinemas. That's huge. And, yeah, I know. I know. Well, all credit to, you know, Umbrella. Yes. Uh, who are just pas passionate people, mm -hmm. you know, and you can see from the election, there's a lot of passionate people in Australia. Yes. Um, let's hope that we, you know, secure the land, uh, the base and the foundation to rebuild this country. There's a hell of a lot of rebuilding has to be. And I'm not just talking, you know, I'm talking about, you know, having to read in the newspaper of people who with disability on on the national disability insurance scheme constantly being told they can't have the money and having their money slashed—that's disgusting to me. There are a lot of mm, disgusting mm. things from this government that I will not shut up about, and I will not—I will not accept the morality of those people and what they've done to people who were vulnerable in this country. It is yeah. really, really disgusting what they did. And they gave people with lots of money tax breaks and kept, you know, people who were vulnerable and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, without power, they, they brutalised them and they demonised them. And let's never forget that. Mm. Let's never forget that. Mm. We can do much better in Australia and we've got to stand up like people did on the weekend and say we're not going to take it anymore. Yeah. You know, this country is much better than that. Most of the people I know in Australia are wonderful people and they mm -hmm. support this film and they support Bill and they support the philosophy behind it and the thinking behind it. It's a handful of people who are giving money. I mean, when Terakee and I were in the Pilbara, we watched truck lo uh, train, load, two, train loads two kilometres long of minerals mm -hmm. being shipped out to boats that take out the minerals from this country overseas for, for overseas countries for profit. That's happening today in Australia. Yeah. Massive people are making a fortune out of that money. And at the same time, when we were over there, Indigenous communities were being starved of funding and told to close down. Yes. Now, that's Australia today, and it's still happening. And we still have to fight and be vigilant this time that we remain strong mm. and keep fighting as Bill did for the justice and justice in this country to take place now. Yes. It is not the past that Bill's talking about. The great mm. thing about the legacy of Bill Onus is he's talking about today as much as he's talking it's about true. the past. Mm. And mm. that's his relevance today. That's why people love the film. Mm. It's because it's relevant to this country today. And we come from those fighters of the past and we must maintain and a film industry. Look at the great talent we've had mm. and the great films that we have produced in Australia. Mm. And all this country can do is smash the ABC, you know, and go to American company Sky, mm -hmm. so-called Australian nationalists, and they go to an American company like Foxtel, mm -hmm. you know, and then mm -hmm. tell us about how we in Australia cannot tell our past. Mm -hmm. You know, that really is vile. Yeah. And I've had to live through that last 10 years of these people. Mm -hmm. And I know every time I win this battle and you can hear my passion, you're not going to knock me over with those people. No, no. You know, you're not going <laughs> to knock me down with a Barnaby Joyce or a Scotty Morrison. <laughs> what did he do? He went to church on Sunday after he lost and cried for himself. 
You know, he's yes. not about people. He's not no. about community. And Bill Onus was about community and people and justice. Yes. And that's yes. what we're still fighting for today. And that's yes. why you need to have passion, everybody who's trying to make a documentary. Don't believe any of those people. Yes. You know, they'll tell you you're wrong. You tell yes. we don't need to know the past. We should be comfortable and relaxed, as John Howard told us. Comfortable yes. and relaxed. Well, <laughs> up yours while the country is dying, <laughs> while I'm watching the rain falling, while the, this beautiful land is dying because mm. it's been ripped apart and been sold yeah. down the drain. I mm. made a film on cold climate change 30 years ago. Mm. 30 years ago, we were talking about climate change. And now it happens and it hits people in the face. We're going to do something about it or we lose this world that we live in. Mm. That nature doesn't give us stuff about Scott Morrison's tears. Mm. It only gives us stuff about us looking after the land. Yes, And that's yes. what we need to do. Look Very after well the said. land. And, and we have 80,000 years or longer of the greatest custodians of land on earth, and we should mm. start listening to them. Mm. Otherwise, we're going to end up the way of Scott Morrison, and that is we crawl back into a hole, into a cave, into the darkness of the past, mm. and we die. Mm. It's as simple as that. Well, you well, two both, well, very well said. Will you, will you two <laughs> both be doing Q&As for this film? Um, in, in our in, in our, our own stakes, mostly. Yeah, well, we, yes. we've, we've been yeah, around yeah. about, so I've, I've done some. Alec, you've been doing some already too. I yeah, think, yeah, Alec, yeah. Alec, are you uh, getting as passionate uh, at these live Q&As as you are here? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> because the last one we had on Saturday night, election day, every, we were all totally nervous. You could yeah, see the yeah, audience. I didn't want there. to disturb yeah, I didn't want to say anything because we saw <laughs> we were all thinking the same thing. Yeah. If he gets voted back into power, how are we going to get through another three years of this? You know, yes. like yes. let's not let's not forget how terrible it was, particularly to our land mm -hmm. and our mm -hmm. con the continent that we, by living on it, have been given the responsibility to look after. How mm -hmm. dare they rip it apart and do mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. And 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 never. Never stop vigilance. I mean, yes, the, price yes. of free, the price of justice and freedom is we need to be vigilant that those people don't get back into power for a long, mm -hmm. long time. Um, uh, Alec and uh, Tiriki, thank you so much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast and for sharing your stories. Um, Alec, I think you've made this podcast unlike uh, any other before it. So thank you very much for uh, your passion Yippee! and enthusiasm. Yeah, good on you, Alec. <laughs> well, this is why, if I may, Matt, before I go, this is one of the reasons... I work with Alec. Yes. And can I also say, in, in my 41 years on this planet, it's very rare as an Aboriginal person that you don't have to, you can be in a space where you don't have to stand up mm. and be the angry, passionate one. And, and I am still angry. I am still passionate, of course. Yes. yes. But the reason I make films with someone like Alec is for exactly this reason the weight that is taken off an indigenous person's shoulders when you choose to stand up in real meaningful allyship is extraordinary and it is vast and i think all of us have tremendous privilege and amazing abilities that we can bring to bear in this space to tell our collective stories mm -hmm. and things like your your highly articulate outburst then dr morgan <laughs> uh it was it was highly articulate outburst are exactly why I keep doing this and why I, I, I love doing this stuff because we are in a space where we can all share these stories together and it's it's beautiful to see. And I'm, I, I sit here and I, with a big grin on my face as this happens because it's rare 
that I don't have to stand up and be the one to do it. But it is very, very gratefully received when it happens. Well, thank you, Terakee. It all, you know, it all started with the mob up in Verwarina with Essie Coffee, know. you know, over 40 years ago. And I've, I've been passionate and angry ever since. Um, you know, when you see it for yourself, the nature of racism in Australia, um, you know, and you see it happening daily and you see, look, we in the cities don't see it and it's out of sight, out of mind. But I tell you, there are some nasty things that go on in Australia. We still have massive, you know, those things I've witnessed in Australia keeps me fighting that one day there will be more justice uh, in terms of racism in this country. Um, you know, the deaths in custody, for instance, is another issue. Um, yeah, film, look, Matt, filmmaking at the heart of it is emotional and passionate. Mm, yeah. Bill was a passionate man, and I think that's why Bill, um, in his own way, and we're all different personalities, fought and continued to fight. You know why he fought for so long as the other fighters did? Because they were right. Mm. They were right. They appealed to our compassion. They repealed to our sense of justice as we were taught. They appealed to our decency. They appealed to the fact that they were human beings, not just people with the color of their skin that was different from us. You know, it's, there's so many elements. We are the most second multicultural country on earth. And it's the first time ever that the, you know, the photographs you're seeing in the press about the makeup of the parliament is starting to reflect that. Not quite, yeah. but for the first time, we haven't seen just white males mm. running the country mm. in, not, in 2022. Mm. You know, it is so conservative in the past. Um, and what it does damage to is often those people that aren't seen. And our purpose as filmmaker is to bring it to people's attention, to their eyes, if you like. Um, but you've got to be passionate. Yes. And you've and, got to uh, have that, that, yeah. that, that love because you love what you're doing. And, and film is the most passionate. Uh, the reason why I continue to make film is the most passionate, wonderful journey, although it can be extremely difficult. My advice to all other filmmakers who are out there struggling with the documentaries, don't give up. Yes. Just keep fighting. Okay. And one day, you know, you'll win. Yes. Um, on that note, as I just mentioned, I've, I've, over nine years, I've interviewed almost 300 Australian filmmakers talking about uh, various Australian films. And I don't think I've ever interviewed anyone as passionate um, as yourself, Alec, and, uh, and Tiriki. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you as well. Again, thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. Thank Thanks, you so Matt. much, Matt. It's a joy. Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can keep up to date with all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews at cinemaaustralia.com.au.